0: Hi, hello and welcome to In The Spotlight, a podcast from the Lifestyle Team at Wales Online where we sit down with some of the biggest and best names in showbiz. We'll be finding out where our guests got their big break and also some of the struggles they faced along the way. I'm your host Sam Cook and this week's special guests are Ian Pulston davis and Terry Dwyer. Paulston davis Terry Dwyer. Hello. How are you doing? Hello.
1: hi, uh, Hello, Sam. Nice to see your face.
0: Nice to see you. It's very rare to do... Uh, it's very rare for me to actually do a three-person Zoom call these days. Usually I'm just... I'm going solo.
2: Were you in makeup for a while, Sam?
0: Ages. Ages. Yeah. Why do you think this is a podcast?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to know what Terry's makeup is hiding. Three... three <laughs> Three days of debauchery.
2: Yeah, I had a huge birthday on Saturday, Sam. It was my 50th, which even now seems really weird saying out loud But so Ian was there and all like some of the old Hollyoaks guys were there. and Yeah, it was lovely. It was really lovely. It was a very, very nostalgic night. And and I feel very blessed to have a life full of so many amazing people. So thank you to everyone that came, including Ian.
0: Well, you both got a lot to celebrate recently. Foland Shoes. Um, you're gearing up for the release in September. Um, Ian, how are you feeling about it?
1: Uh, do you know what, Sam? If you'd have asked me this six months ago, I'd have started shaking uh, and, and sweating, but I'm kind of used to it now. Uh, we had a screening a few months ago now at the Manchester Film Festival, and as, as Terry will agree, I, I was a mess. I, I, having been a stage actor all my career it it pales in comparison to a first night as a writer director and i felt i think it's because you feel completely powerless at least on stage you can improve your performance if it's not going according to plan but that helplessness sitting in that auditorium and and seeing your your you know your work uh, displayed in front of many strangers and not being able to change one word or one you know one look was 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 a new experience and and quite a petrifying experience. So consequently, every photograph I have of me is me looking very wide eyed and 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 suspicious, as if I was on some kind of substance which I wasn't. It was pure fear and adrenaline. But since then, I've been to America and I've been to a number of film festivals. So I've kind of gotten used to it now. So I think the fear has gone. And now, long-winded answer, now I can't wait for the premiere because I think I'll be a little less, he says, hopefully, a little less manic.
0: What's it been like stepping to the other side of the camera? Now, you you know, being a writer and director as opposed to an actor.
1: I thought it was going to be too huge a leap. I genuinely did because I've... I've kind of marveled at the work of, of, of certainly directors I have written in the past, but not too much, but enough to know that game. But as far as the directing game was con- concerned, I, I thought I'd taken too much on. But I thought, you know, I, I never want to be a what if only, you know, what if, if only, you know, would have, could have, should have. I never wanted to be that person. So a, a huge leap of faith, not just by my own uh you know, with my own undertaking, but with 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 Terry as well, a massive undertaking from a, a really a, a, an untried director. You know, I'd been an actor for forty years, but this was a whole new ball game for me. But I I found Terry, who partly because of the history we have, and and that with it within itself brings along trust. But it was still a huge risk.
0: Ian, you're not the only one in a different role. Terry, you're not, you know, I mean, you are acting in the film, but you're also a producer. To somebody who doesn't know, what does the role of a producer entail?
2: Oh, that is such a big, big question. We, uh, a producer, is almost like a conductor. We bring all these amazing instruments together. And we just finely tune them and just make sure that they're all playing in a harmonious order. And I mean, there's much, much, there's lots of people management, there's lots of juggling, there's the financial aspect, there's the business aspect. Uh, But Ian is being far too humble. I had absolutely no doubt that Ian would be a fabulous director. And having come from an acting background myself, when you've been on set as long as somebody like Ian has with the kind of talent that Ian's been lucky enough to work with you know he's worked with some great actors on huge shows I just I just knew he'd be a brilliant director because I think often for me being an actress I like a director that directs you know it's great that they can talk to this at the DOP and great that they can communicate with but you know all those people are brought on because they're good at their crafts What any actor wants of any kind of merit is the director to talk to them in a language that they can understand and then interpret that information. And I just always knew that Ian would be brilliant at that. And we partnered him with a cinema photographer, Richard Swingle, who is brilliant with first time directors. So uh, we knew that uh, Rich would take away the, the shot size pressure and what lens are we going to use? And all of that aspect that actually Ian didn't really need to think about in that moment. Once we we're on didn't set. Didn't have a clue
1: about. Didn't have a clue about. I, mean, I didn't <laughs> have a clue about Well, I didn't say I that. Exist. I was going to
2: say you'd figured it all out in pre-production. Didn't and have left a it clue, up to you Well,
0: I'd imagine for you both, uh, it was a learning process in that respect, like you, you, Terry, you yourself, new to producing, Ian, this is kind of one of your first big major things. How did you find that process? Terry, we'll come to you first.
2: Well, this is actually the third film I've produced, albeit with I, I, I normally produce with a produce another producer. But you know what? Every film's it's like it's like having a child, uh, which you're probably far too young to know about yet. Every baby's every baby's different, and every time you figure out their nuances, yeah, you think right next time. I kind of I'm prepared for that. It brings about a whole new set of problems. So um, it's constantly problem solving and. Bowlin uh, was a different animal because obviously we had the COVID shenanigans to uh, deal with as well. And um, we were trying to shoot lots of night scenes in the middle of summer. So, you know, we were really up against it in terms of uh, darkness. So yeah, there was there was lots. But I love it. I love it. And, and I think initially when I started producing. I was always worried that if I took on um, the mantle of a producer, I wouldn't then have time to act. What I don't think I realized is how much I'd love producing.
1: It was as if Terry had done far more than three films. And she knows herself, after every Zoom we do, she'll invariably get a text from me saying, wow, I didn't know you had it in you. I mean, it, it, it is, it's is—it's as if she's been around as a producer a lot longer than three films. It is is—it uh, is astonishing. and. Maybe it is because we are sponges and we do take in and we do listen to producers talking and directors talking as actors. Maybe that's what it is. <clears throat> but Terry, you know, a fab actress as she is, as I think she's found her niche. Mm. I mean, without doubt. Yeah, I, mean, you- I mean,
2: I do. I, I love it, but I think you're right, Ian. And I think you and I, having spent so many years on set. We understand the intricacies of different departments, mm-hmm. and I think that's really important because you can kind of you can start seeing where there's gaps and where things need kind of just because you 've been around it so much. what I really needed to learn are is the business side of things on bowling' shoes. I had the pleasure of working with a wonderful uh, post producer Andy Evans who works on much, much bigger budgets and we were very lucky to get him on Bowling Shoes. And I felt like I had a real crash course, this film, on post-production. So as, as each film goes by, I feel like I'm kind of learning a little bit more in the areas that I'm probably the weakest. Um, but on set is my natural home. I love being on set. Once they, once we're in that element, we've done all the pre-production, that's where the real fun starts for me. Well, I was going to say,
0: like it's very different and unique to see a producer who also acts on the film as well like what was that process like of juggling those dual roles
2: well it's funny because the first film through um buffalo dragon which was the stranger in our bed well we've just won a national film awards for that film which we're very proud of i had actually a much bigger role um which i found really difficult uh and actually some days i was like no we can't do those scenes today we're gonna have to push them Far too busy being a producer. And on *Bowman Shoes, I actually wasn't going to be in it uh, because it was a bigger budget. Um, and I really wanted just to focus on, on the producing aspect. And, and I did end up saying I'd be in it. And actually I'm really grateful I did because my scenes with, with Tim and Matthew Horn, and they're both incredible actors. And I think being on set with those calibre oh, yeah. of actors and watching their process, it was a gift. I mean, it's quite a long scene, but it was shot all in a day. So in terms of my producer role, it didn't kind of bleed too much over into that. And it just gave me the opportunity to put my acting hat on. And I mean, Tim is something else in the space watching him work. I mean, he is, you can see why he's had such length and breadth in the type of roles that he's had because he he is quite incredible. You must have found that Ian as as directing him.
1: It was honestly, Sam. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna avoid all the cliches. Well, maybe I'll drop in a few. But it it, it was. I mean, I, I, you you saw talking about the the fact that Terry and I are reasonably new. I don't know whether anyone mentioned that the L plate, or maybe I just thought it. But I, I did say I made it quite clear from the very from the very beginning that I did have a massive invisible L plate on my back, and I think that was important to let people know that I I wasn't going to to cover that. The fact that I'm, you know, that I'd had two minutes as a director previously, what well, forty three minutes exactly? That was the camera I did. That was it. That was my. That was my CV. And I, I, I needed, you know, I needed them all to be my wingmen, really, wingmen and wing, wing, wing women. That's my tongue twister for the day. I was learning and and to to put that on the table from the very off, saying, "Look, help me. Let let you know. Let's do this together." And I think that that freed me up. So I didn't have to play games. And it also, in a way, strangely allowed me, it gave me the confidence I needed to say, look, I can't fail because I've, I, I've got nothing to compare it against. I was starting from from the off.
2: You know, you and I both work with lots of directors and some of them have been really experienced. And. I think what's really important from anybody who is steering a ship is just creating a lovely atmosphere on set, which is something Ian did. I think for us all to work those long hours in the kind of ways that you do in independent film and for actors to feel free enough to be able to play and experiment, you have to create that lovely environment, which is what Ian did. And I've worked with Really experienced directors that have created such an awful environment on set. It's meant that all the other elements don't work cohesively. So I think you're doing yourself a slight injustice in having that invisible learner play, but I know why you did it.
1: Yeah, but, you know, and, and that's the other reason why I probably did create that, because I've been on those same sets, and mm. it's so not conducive to the best work, of course. If you're being bullied or shouted at, it's going to have the reverse effect. So I've never understood that. When I have been on those sets, Terry, you're absolutely right. We both have, probably in the same scenes. But you, you do think, how can this work if, if, yeah. it's, if, if it's full of animosity or, or bullying? Right. Mm-hmm. It has the reverse effect. So yes, I brought that to it. That certainly my experience of working with those, with those, those, those uh, puzzingly puzzlingly bad directors uh, had the reverse effect, and I was able to to, to, to you know to, to conjure up a happy atmosphere.
0: Well, you talked there about some of the amazing quote unquote wingmen and wing wing women you had. Uh, you set. see,
2: it's not uh, that easy. <laughs> it's Sam. not
0: wing wing men, wing wing women. It's deep. There you go. If you can say it, let us know in the comments. <laughs> but you know, Timothy Spall—what a huge coup to uh, to to acquire for the film.
1: Yeah, well, t- uh, yeah. I mean, he—he it was—it was. You know, we we couldn't believe our luck, could we, Terry? And we needed someone with his his experience, his weight, his profile, his his mm. his brilliance and you know we were nervous because of it being a low budget movie whatever that means you you don't think you're going to get the heavyweight uh, actor that you you would desire but we were just lucky that the script landed on his table he happened to be available and he he got it he liked the script
2: i also think he really respected the caliber of you as an actor If I'm honest, I really, you know, because he spent time getting to know you before we got him across the line. And I think because of Ian's body of work, he knew that Ian wasn't going to put him on set and, you know, kind of push him in a direction that he didn't agree with. When I interviewed, because I did a lot of the EPK, uh, the electronic press kit. Uh, which is what we shoot. They're kind of like extra interviews that used to go on the DVD, but we use them for, um, you know, promoting the film. And Tim said some lovely things about Ian. And I don't think he... You see, you won't know this because you haven't seen it, but, you know, he... he, he That's one for the (laughs) showreel. Yeah. Hey, hey,
1: I'm on the phone to the agent now.
2: (laughs) I think what I love about Tim is that he really... He really sees the value in, in giving back and giving people, you know, like Ian, uh, uh, their dere- directorial debut, an opportunity. And he, yeah, he did. He said something, he said, and it was the atmosphere. He said, you created a great atmosphere. Oh, wow, um, that's lovely. And, in fact, I'll show you them and then you'll know exactly Please. what he said about you.
1: Yeah. yeah, and then it'll be all over social media.
2: <laughs>
0: that's how it works. I mean, that is how it works. Um, And the, the film itself, we've we've spoken... About the film Boland Shoes, but let's go into it itself. Um, so Ian, what is it all about? Well, tell us, uh, give us a little summary about uh, the film.
1: Well, it's not a biopic. It's not about Mark Bowlin and T Rex. Um, we have to make that clear from the off. It's about two Mark Bolan avid, obsessive Mark Bowlin fans, and we have, thank goodness, uh, thanks to a lot of transatlantic. Zooms with the the publishers. We have uh, Mark Boland's T Rex music on board, which is wonderful. Otherwise, we wouldn't have gone past page two. Uh, you need the soundtrack, and we've got Mark Boland's soundtrack uh, with love from Roland Boland, Mark's son himself. So we we made sure that all the Ts were crossed and the dot that the eyes were dotted before we even got close to going any further into production. We needed their love and their permission. And we got that. So that's the backdrop. The backdrop is the music, the story, the narrative is about two Mark Boland fans uh, who with other friends of theirs from a local children's home in Liverpool take a coach trip to see their hero in Manchester. And the rest will be revealed when you go and see the film because it's a very difficult it's very difficult to explain the film without giving too too much away, but it is. It's the the the, the backbone is uh, is the love of Mark Boland. So his ghost and his spirit is throughout, without it being an, an anthology of uh, an anthology of, of Mark Boland.
2: I think I think what it really deals with. I mean, it's nineteen seventies Liverpool. It's it's that glam rock era. It's full of vibrancy and and you know that was a real movement of music around that time and it's about what what happens to people after personal tragedy and what how those things can affect their personalities in different ways and a catastrophic thing happens that separates this group that Ian was talking about. And they accidentally find each other years later. And you see what they've actually had to do for personal survival. And it's really moving. It's funny. It's, I mean, Leanne uh, Best, who is in it, she she um, she's our female lead. She's got this beautiful scene with Mark, um, uh, who, who plays her husband, Mark Lewis-Jones. And, uh, it, you know, the whole crew cried when she did it. It was so moving. So I think um, John Thompson, actually, who um, is a friend of Ian's and I think a tough critic, by the way, um, he came to the Manchester Premier and I interviewed him after and he was like, I just, I, d- I didn't know whether I'd have to go up to Ian and pretend that I liked it. He said, but actually, it was brilliant. And all the actors." Did he say amazing. that? Yeah. He said, I was trying <laughs> to get in my head what I'd have to say to him because the first five minutes I was like, I don't know what's going on, he said, but then... Like any good narrative, you drop all these little uh, breadcrumbs that people follow, and then eventually it all comes around, and it's and and you you have some understanding. So, yeah, I think I might have shared, or it might be coming on social media that interview. So yes, right. he was very complimentary about you. Another one, Ian.
1: Another one. I need to get on social media pretty quick. No, you do.
2: <laughs> I yeah, I, know,
1: I mean, I mean, see, this is why she's such a good producer. That is a wonderful a uh, quick précis of what the film's about and i I'm, I'm 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 quite good at writing but i'm never good at telling the story because uh, i
2: don't think i don't think writers can edit their work when they've poured over every word it's impossible yeah. because there's such a labour of love in telling a narrative i think it's really hard to condense it yeah, in some ways it. it's much easier yeah. for someone that's not been in that yeah. process
1: yeah mm-hmm. I, I, I i every time i'm asked that question i i i, I Get a big toe curly because I just, I'm not very good at doing it. But that's that's exactly what the film is about, Sam. It's important to reiterate. I can't tell you enough that because I know we got the, the Mark Bolan, I was talking about first night nerves. The Mark Bolan fans, fan, fan club came along, you know, complete with their feather boas and platform shoes. And I was very nervous. I don't know about you, Terry, but I was really nervous that they were going to be bitterly disappointed that it wasn't a biopic uh, about Boland. But on the contrary, they loved it because they they realized that what I think we did capture was the, the love that fans can have for their idol. And that's why I chose Mark Boland because they are an extraordinary fan. They are unique they take their fan worship to another level and it's, it is a spiritual level. And I think, I like to think uh, that we captured that in the film, which is why the fans were so, were so uh, are so behind it because they're publishing, you know, they're posting stuff all the time on their, on their websites.
0: Was that difficult to do, to capture the spirit of Mark Boland, but not actually kind of create a biopic?
2: Really. Uh I think because Ian wrote such a beautiful script where um, you know, he was very skillful in dropping all these certain moments in, and then we had Ian Arbour do this score and he worked really closely because we do have uh, some uh Mark Boland tracks in there, but then Ian's also put some real glam rock tracks in there and I, I think he I think all those elements when they're tied together. They, they're they very nostalgic for the fans. You know, we, we're releasing around the anniversary of Mark Boland's death and his birthday. And every year the fan, the fans come from all over the world to Barnes and they have these series of remembrance things. And, and not sad, but, you know, they're celebrations of his life and his memory. And um, so, you know, we're working very hard with Monroe who are looking after our, uh, a sales for cinematic to try and make sure that we can make available some um screenings around that time in the places to suit the fans because they're really important to us um and they have been very supportive uh because the other problem we had we were shooting in covid and the restrictions actually although we were out of covid we were being um exposed to the pandemic do you remember that that stupid app where you could be next to somebody in a car and you'd be pinged. And it didn't take into consideration that you were in a car. So we were having to factor that into, you know, we lost crew members really regularly. But because of that and lots of other complicated issues that I won't bore you with, we weren't actually able to shoot at the real memorial because it's really small, it's in barns. But Fee, who runs uh, one of the fan clubs, after the shoot, I mean, she was great. She allowed us to go down there. We we uh, took lots of images of the Mark Boland statue, and then in post, we superimposed them on. So it was really important to us, although we couldn't actually do that. We didn't want the fans to feel shortchanged, mm-hmm. so we still went down and did that. Which, you know, I think that has probably worked really, really well in the film, and I think they got quite a kick out of seeing the real statue, albeit not in the real place. Um, yeah i mean lots of little things like that and the sayings on the t-shirts and the you know they're just really subtle things
1: we held our breath for a long time while they decided whether first of all whether they liked the script and then whether they would give us the permission to use what's known as likeness so as telly was saying the quotes on the t-shirt the the pictures of mark on the wall the title you know they could have said no to next to all of them but they mm. didn't they, they they gave us the, so we had to get their permission so i think that in itself uh, 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 for us makes it clear to us that that you know that we had them on side and well
2: and- actually you you mentioned it earlier and i'm just going to expand on it because roland Bolan, he looks after the foundation he is the person that gave us permission and he's an ap on the film um, and we're still trying to get him over for the premiere, God willing. Oh, really? But, uh, he, he, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm hoping that he's got gigs over here, you know, during the anniversary. But he sent a beautiful message when we released the trailer, and obviously, it matters to us what he what he says. It's his dad, and we don't want to do anything that is is um, not in keeping with how the fans remember him, but also how his family remember him. And he sent the most beautiful email just saying I've seen the trailer, I think it's amazing, I'm really excited about the film. And, you know, that really meant a lot to us as does what the fans think, you know, at the end of the day, this is why we do what we do. Of course you want critical acclaim, of course you want awards, but I think sometimes we've got to remember why we make films and it's for the audience.
0: Definitely. And um, just finally, one thing I think is really interesting and you can certainly feel it now chatting to you both is the groundwork of this film is this sort of wonderful friendship between you two. Am I right that this came out of a dog walk? This film, the idea came from a dog walk. So, Ian, tell us a little bit more about that.
1: What do you want? I'll tell you about my dog. She's called Lucy. (laughs) Yeah, go for it. Got 10 minutes left. Yeah. <laughs> now there's a lovely walk uh, on the Wirral Peninsula. Was it the West Kirby walk? Yeah, yeah. yeah walking on uh, West Kirby Beach, walking our dogs, and uh, I'm in between throwing sticks and commenting on what a lovely day it was. Terry happened to say, "I'm I'm looking for uh, I'm looking for scripts for my next film. Do you have any? <laughs> it's as simple as that. Do you have any? And I said, well, as it happens, well, I'm not going to say no. I said, I do. Uh, I I did think straight away that that Bowling Shoes would be the right fit. I'd hoped more than I knew. I'd hoped. And it was as simple as that. Terry asked to read it. She read it. uh, And, you know, this is why we're doing uh, uh, this Zoom now.
2: So (laughs) I I met Ian years ago on the set of Hollyoaks. Ian was one of the baddies. And you know, when you and I never get bored of telling this story, and when you see somebody in that capacity, and he's always been mesmerizing as an actor to me. And I'd be on set with him, you just I'd forget my lines because I'd just be watching what he was doing because he's just as an actor, and I really mean this, and he knows I feel this way about him. And over the years, I've watched his career and been super proud of him, and you know, kind of watched from afar at times, you know, peaks and troughs, depending where we are in the world. So. When we did meet for the dog walk, Stranger in Our Bed was Buffalo's first film and it was a commercial film. It was based on a USA Today bestselling book. It was to dip our toes in to see, you know, if we could do it and and do it in the way that we wanted to. So we've kind of already ticked that book and I wanted something that could go into the festivals. And Ian wrote a beautiful film with Jeff Pope uh, called Dirty Filthy Love years and years ago. and I hope Ian doesn't mind me saying this because he's talked very openly about it. And it was based on Ian's struggle with OCD. And it was the most moving and breathtaking film. I, I don't think I really understood Ian's daily struggle until I watched that film. So I kind of knew his, his capability as a writer. And, and that was the kind of thing that I was looking for. So it wasn't complete blind faith. And, uh, you know, there was some method in my mad. And he sent me the script and brought a few changes. The script hasn't changed that much, has it, Ian, from what you originally wrote?
1: No, not really. It got better. <laughs> we made it a lot better. So, I, I, you know, it was, yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, you know, that doesn't happen, Sam. You know, I, I, I've said this a few times and I've probably peed off quite a few uh, directors by saying this, but I, and I say this with huge humility and gratitude. But I kind of leapfrogged ten years of short films. You know, I shouldn't be doing a feature. I had to because I looked at my watch and thought, I, I'm I'm not I'm too old to do ten years of short films. So I was just incredibly fortunate that that we had this conversation on on that beach. Otherwise, I would be on my second short film now. Hopefully, I, I I won't need another ten years, but who knows? Uh, but you know, the gratitude uh, is is boundless because uh, I was just one of those very lucky people that met met a producer who he happened to know of old, who had a trust and a mutual respect, uh, and and both loved dogs. So that that was a huge a huge help. It mm-hmm. doesn't happen. Only in the movies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and um, so with five minutes to go, one thing I'd quite like to ask is you, you both have this, this soap opera background. How does doing a project like this compare to something like that? Terry.
2: OK, well, I, I have quite strong views on this because the industry is really not very giving to soap actors there are a couple you know that, that have left soaps and gone into brilliant dramas but the industry is still quite snobby if you mm. come out of a soap.
0: I had this exact conversation the other day with Sean Reese williams from Emmerdale and she said that the industry almost looks at soap actors like with a level of disdain.
2: These soap actors they're doing you know, however many pages a day, they're working yeah. with lots of different directors. They're taking direction really quickly. And so they really fine-tune not only their talent and understanding on set, but their technical ability. And it really frustrates me. I know some soapy actors can be soapy in their acting, but some of them that have come out of soaps are absolutely brilliant. Ian being one of them and Saran Jones, you know, Catherine Kelly, if they're given half a chance to be given decent, material then they can prove that they can do drama as well if you come out of a soap in america you go straight into films Mm. i don't understand and this and i do believe it's the gatekeepers that have this stereotypical image i'm not so sure so for when i'm casting a film i actively look at mt musical theater people i i look at people that have had no experience i look at soap actors and i really try and broaden where i go for talent because i have been that person that's been pigeonholed and and i'm sure i'm one of many and i'm not saying i'm the best actress i'm really not but we are never given the opportunity i think one of the really i'm not going to name them because i don't want to get in trouble but a very prestigious theater said to my agent there's absolutely no way we would have terry in the theater because she has come out of a soap that's ridiculous yeah So silly. So my opinion now is probably it's good for soap actors. But, you know, they're not all brilliant, but not all drama actors are brilliant. You know, it's just about giving people an opportunity with good enough material to see if they can be brilliant or not. Sometimes you just can't get past the gatekeepers. There is a snobbery in this country. There really is.
0: And nine out of ten times, soap actors are probably working twice as hard because, you know, it's continuing. It's a continuing drama.
2: Yeah. What
1: are your thoughts on that, Ian? Is it different no, to what I, I think? I, I agree. I mean, the workload is, is frightening. And to, to keep reinventing your character. And I, I, I ran out. I ran out. That's, I don't mean I ran out of the building. But after five years, I had genuinely run out of things to do. I, I don't mm. know how they do keep reinventing themselves. It's a skill in itself. And mm. I, I, I couldn't reinvent myself anymore. I, was, I got bored with watching my character. Uh, mm. And that's a dangerous, uh, a dangerous position to be in when you're in a in a continuing soap. And I found that really tricky, which is one of the reasons why I left. So hats off to soap actors who continually um, reinvent themselves and, and 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 bring interesting things to the storylines and their characters. It's it's a unique position, and I wish those some of those people that Terry has, has called out, although not my name, um, I wish they give them a week on a set. As a producer, as a director, as a casting director, as an actor, as a writer, and they would certainly think very differently at the end of the week. It is mm-hmm. a, a it's an extraordinary job. The writing, the the re the the rewrites, the, the the deadlines, the actors having to learn pages the night before. It is it's exhausting, and uh, you know, I have huge respect mm-hmm. for no and like Terry. I wouldn't I, I would in, in, welcome them into any casting for any future films
0: Well, uh, Ian Terry, I wish you all the best with the film when it releases in September. Thank you very much for joining me and uh, from all of us at Wales Online dearva. The <laughs> Thank you for listening. Don't forget, you can keep up to date with all the latest TV and showbiz news by subscribing to our newsletter over at walesonline.co.uk.